Well, I'm grateful for the opportunity to deliver the Word of God this morning. We will be in Psalm 103 as we continue our trek through various psalms over the summer. I invite you to turn there. There's a few Bible on the end of the pew if you don't have yours with you today. Psalm 103 is a psalm of David. It is a psalm, a call to worship. And if, if you read through it and you look at what David is doing, he's meditating on the goodness and kindness of God. He calls everyone in verses <clears throat> excuse me, 1 and 2 to bless the Lord as we've read. We used it as a call to worship. And he calls us to forget not all of his benefits in verse 2. And so as we walk through this today, I want us to notice how in the first few verses, David he um, looks at what God has done in his life. He says, okay, look how God has uh, benefited me. Look how God has, what God has given me. And then he moves on in the next few verses to look at how God has dealt with Israel, the nation. And then towards the end, he draws conclusions on these reflections. So let's, as we read through this, let's read together Psalm 103. I'll let you stay seated because it's a lengthy psalm, but I want to read the whole thing so we get the context again. We've read portions of it this morning already. But hear now the word of God from Psalm 103 of David. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. Who forgives all your iniquity, who heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit, who crowns you with steadfast love and mercy, who satisfies you with good so that your youth is renewed like the eagle's. The Lord works righteousness and justice for all who are oppressed. He made known his ways to Moses, his acts to the people of Israel. The Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. He will not always chide, nor will he keep his anger forever. He does not deal with us according to our sins, nor repay us according to our iniquities. For as high as the heavens are above the earth... So great is his steadfast love toward those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far does he remove our transgressions from us. As a father shows compassion to his children, so the Lord shows compassion to those who fear him. For he knows our frame. He remembers that we are dust. As for man, his days are like grass. He flourishes like a flower of the field. For the wind passes over it and it is gone. And its place knows it no more. But the steadfast love of the Lord is from everlasting to everlasting on those who fear him. And his righteousness to children's children. To those who keep his covenant and remember to do his commandments. The Lord has established his throne in the heavens and his kingdom rules over all. Bless the Lord, O you his angels, you mighty ones who do his word. Obeying the voice of his word, bless the Lord, all his hosts, his ministers who do his will. Bless the Lord, all his works in all places of his dominion. Bless the Lord, O my soul. That's the word of God as given to us by the psalmist David. So David, he's reflecting on God's goodness, how God has dealt with him. And what we have in this inherently by the when you when you dwell on God you dwell on Christ right in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God so Christ 
was in the beginning with God, the Father, the triune God. So as David reflects on the many benefits of God, he reflects on Christ. We know this is true from Hebrews when he says, Christ is the radiance of God's glory, the exact imprint of his nature. So as we go through this, we will parallel and see how Christ fulfilled the words of David and see how David reveals the Messiah to us through these words. So let's begin in verse 3. After David calls himself or calls us to worship, he says, Who forgives all your iniquity. Well, David would have experienced great sin in his life. This, according to Spurgeon, this psalm probably was written towards a later time of David's life, and he probably would have already experienced the sin with Bathsheba. We know he looked upon Bathsheba, and he had an affair with her. And then through various events, he had her husband murdered as he put him on the front line of, the, of, of war. And then had a child with Bathsheba. And we know that David, he sought forgiveness, right? He recognized his sin and came running back to God. Well, not quite. He was moving on with life. And then what happened? Nathan the prophet came to him. And he said, David, let me tell you a story. And he tells him a story about a man, a rich man, who had many lambs, and he took the lamb of this one poor man to feed to a visitor. And he said, David said, well, that man, he should be punished. I can't believe he had all of this, anything he wanted, and he took this one man's lamb. Nathan says, you are that man. We, we, we may be familiar with this story. What happens there is God reached out to David grabbed a hold of him, and the word of God came to him and said, David, open your eyes. See what you have done. And then David turns and repents and says, I have sinned against you, Father. I have sinned against the Lord. I have sinned against all of heaven. I have sinned greatly here. So when David says that God forgives all of our iniquities, what does he reveal to us about God? He reveals that forgiveness begins with God. It comes from God. It comes from His Word coming to our hearts. And so as we walk through this and we realize the forgiveness, we, we see what David is telling us. <clears throat> One of the first things we want to see as we walk through this psalm today is, what does it tell us about God? I failed to mention <clears throat> in the back of your bulletin, there are notes and really three headings. Uh, what does it say about God? What does the psalm say about man? And then what does it call us to do? And we will spend the majority of our time about what it tells us about God. You can take notes there if you so desire. And so the first thing it reveals to us about God is that He is a forgiving God. And we know this forgiveness, in theological terms, we call it justification. In the courtroom of God, we are declared not guilty. On whose merit? We are guilty, except on the merit of Christ. He says, I take this man's righteousness and give it to you. And I take your guilt, and He has taken it away from you. So it's no longer that we are guilty and just not punished, but that we are truly not guilty because Christ took our place and took our punishment upon Himself. This is the forgiveness that David speaks of or foreshadows. And we know from Hebrews chapter 2, flip with me to to Hebrews chapter 2 and hold your finger here because we will go back and forth between Hebrews chapter 2 and Psalm 103. When he talks about, David talks about forgiveness and this justification that we use in theological terms. Let's turn to Hebrews chapter 2, verse 17. 
and see how Christ is the fulfillment of this. He says, therefore, he had to be made like his brothers in every respect so that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest in the service of God to make propitiation for the sins of the people. Christ is the one who takes our sin upon himself. He is the reason we are forgiven. He is the instrument by which we are forgiven. He is the means by which this forgiveness is accomplished. So when David speaks of forgiveness, it points us in our minds to look at Christ, the benefits of God. Going back to Psalm 103, verse 3, the second part says that God heals all your diseases. Well, after we are declared not guilty, the sins of this world still beset us. We still have temptations. We still have desires to turn and to be against the Lord. So as David reflects on the benefits of God, one of the things he realizes is that God is a healer. Remember, he had a son. His son with Bathsheba died because of his sin. What great torture and pain that must have been in his life. And yet he still is able to call God a healer because he knows that we receive ultimate healing as we reach heaven. And we receive healing on this earth. God heals us physically and God heals us spiritually. You think about the medicines we have. We have all the way from... Uh, Advil and Tylenol and things of this nature that heal headaches, all the way down to the drugs of cancer and surgery, as we talked about earlier, some in our congregation that we know will be uh, having surgery to battle cancer. All of these things come from our Lord. He put them in place for us to discover and to use. God is a great healer. And even outside of the medicines that we have here, He heals some miraculously in ways we can't explain. David understands that God is a great healer. He also understands that God heals spiritually, that He has redeemed us spiritually. And this is a lifelong battle against sin. As the sin besets us and, and the world tries to take us away from the Lord, to turn our eyes off of the focus of Christ and to focus us on here, the here and now, the pains that we experience now, God is working in us. His Holy Spirit comes to dwell in His people, to transform us into the likeness of Christ. <clears throat> You see, there are two ends that we are given in Scripture. Really one end is mentioned a couple of times in several places, actually. But the ends of sanctification, the ends of this process of healing, what are they? Well, in Ephesians 1, he says this, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, even as He chose us in Him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before Him. This is what God is working in us. Holiness and blamelessness. The children of God have the Spirit in you, in us, working holiness and blamelessness so that we might be conformed to the image of His dear Son. Romans 8. For those whom He foreknew, He also predestined to be conformed to the image of His Son in order that He might be the firstborn among many brothers. You see, Christ, we know very well, healed both physically and spiritually. So when we look at the benefits of our God, He is the great physician. He is the healer, both physically and spiritually. And David cries, Bless the Lord, O my soul. Verse 4 of Psalm 103. He goes on to say, Who redeems your life from the pit? Well, David would have understood this word redeem to point to the kinsman redeemer. We may not all be familiar with this term. It's a term that in the law, the Levitical law, 
God put in place a kinsman redeemer. And the purpose of this kinsman redeemer, he would, it would be a close relative and, or a relative of, some, of uh, your next of kin, and he would recover forfeited property. He would uh, purchase freedom for persons sold into slavery. He would marry a brother's widow and have children to carry on the name of the brother who had died. You see, the idea here is that when God brought the children of Israel out of Egypt, they were special. They were His chosen people. They had rights as Israelites. They were a nation under God. He was their king. And they had certain rights and privileges. And as poverty beset anyone and their property had to be sold or they began to lose some of these rights, the the Redeemer would restore them back to the rights that they had as an Israelite, restoring the full community rights of a disadvantaged family member. And this kinsman redeemer had to be a blood relative, had to be willing to redeem, and had to be able to pay the redemption price. Well, I don't know if it points to Christ in your mind, but it does to me. Turn back to Hebrews chapter 2, verse 14. Since therefore the children share in flesh and blood, he himself likewise partook of the same things, that through death he might destroy the one who has the power of death, that is, the devil. You see, Christ took on flesh so that he might be our next of kin. He might be like us. He might be in the position where he can be our kinsman redeemer. And what does he do? That through death he might destroy the one whose power has the power of death, that is, the devil, verse 15, and deliver all those who through fear of death were subject to lifelong slavery. He is like us. He took on flesh and He redeems us from slavery to sin. Bless the Lord, O my soul. What a great benefit it is to be a child of God. To receive the things that God has for His children. Verse 4 goes on to say of Psalm 103, Who crowns you with steadfast love and mercy. And the essence of time will move through these next two verses fairly quickly. But I do want to mention the idea of a crown. Paul tells us in, uh, other, in uh, 1 Corinthians 9 that every athlete seeks for a crown. They seek for a wreath. They want to win a wreath, but it's a perishable wreath. They're crowned victorious, but our crown is imperishable. The things that God places on us and gives to us are imperishable. They're not affected by the sinful things of this world They're not affected by death because Christ overcame death. He has the power over death. So when David says he crowns you with steadfast love and mercy, he is talking about a mercy and a love that, honestly, we probably still cannot even fathom while we're here on this side of heaven. It's so great and so amazing and so awesome. And it is Christ who brings us to this. Verse 5 says in 103 of Psalm 103, who satisfies you with good so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. You see, God longs to satisfy us, to bring good to us. Now, we must be careful here not to preach a prosperity gospel where if you come to Jesus, you'll have everything in this life that you want. The satisfaction is that we receive all the benefits, the spiritual benefits of being in Christ. We have a hope, and we're no longer in fear of death and slavery to sin. And He longs to satisfy us and give us the things that our hearts desire. But He longs our hearts to desire the things that He desires to give us. He wants us to be transformed. And this is what David understands. And he understands 
Or we would understand that Jesus longed to satisfy. What did we learn about him from the woman at the well? Jesus says this, Everyone who drinks of this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks of the water that I will give him will never be thirsty again. God is able and willing and desires to satisfy us. Now as we look at how David revealed himself to Moses and to the Israelites, he healed diseases. Remember the serpents they were attacking. And he says, hold up the bronze serpent and look at it and you will be healed. He saved them. Verse 8 of Psalm 103 says, he abounds in steadfast love. Well, how did he do that? Well, he miraculously gave them water from a rock. He miraculously fed them food, manna, and quail from heaven. Verse 10 of Psalm 103 says, He does not deal with us according to our sins, nor repay us according to our iniquities. Well, David may know the story, several stories, where Israel was going to be destroyed. And Moses interceded and said, God, remember your promises. Remember what you promised to these people. And God did not deal with them as their sin deserved. So David's reflection is not only on his own life, but it's on the whole of the people of God. He says, God has been steadfastly loving and kind to these people and to me throughout all of life. So verses 11 through 19, David draws some conclusions about God. He says, first of all, in verse 12, as far as the east is from the west, so far does he remove our transgressions from us. David says, bless the Lord, O my soul. My sin is removed as far, it's removed infinitely away from me. It will never come down and affect me. He says he is compassionate and steadfast love on those who fear him. Those who recognize who God is and recognize the power he has. And they revere him and respect him for that. This is the evidence that we are God's child. And that we are the benefits, beneficiaries of these things and these, these truths about God. So this is what this psalm says about God. He is a redeemer. He is a forgiver. He heals. In the picture that David's painting, he forgives you of your sins. He then begins a work in you to transform you to be more like Christ. But not only that, he restores you back to what you had in the Garden of Eden. We had perfection. And he takes us and restores us back to the full community rights that we have as a child of God. This is what it says about God. Now, in the last few moments, what does it say about man and what does it call us to be? Well, three points under what it tells us about men. First of all, it says that men either fear God or we fear death. Psalm 103, verses 11, 13, and 17 will mention the fear of God. He talks about it. David says, these things come on those who fear God. If you remember Hebrews chapter 2, verse 15, let me read this to you. Christ came to deliver all those who through fear of death were subject to to lifelong slavery. So I would say no one is to fear death. We are to fear and revere the Lord. This is what it says about man, though, that we have a choice to make. Look at it. Which one are we? Who are we? Secondly, it says that men are guilty. It says that men are dying. It says the Lord renews your youth. Well, why is that? Because we're dying. It says that men are diseased. Men are, men are sinners in the pit. The things that this psalm tells us about man are not good. Outside of Christ, we are in a very bad state. And then finally, the thing it says about man is that man's days are short on this earth. As a flower that flourishes and then blown away. You see, man's days here, we feel like we're here for a really long time, but he wants to continually remind us in Scripture, your days here on earth are short. 
But God's love is eternal. God's love is eternal. We are made to bring glory and honor to the one who is eternal. During our short time on this earth, this is what it says about man. This is what our purpose is for. Now, finally, three things about what it calls us to do or to be. Well, first I would say that it calls us to fear God. To live this life respecting our Creator and recognizing the power that He has. He has the power to do with us whatever He so desires. He has the right to do with us whatever He so desires. And that desire is to bestow love upon His children. To to give us grace and mercy and kindness. In response to that, we should respect Him as our Heavenly Father. Bow before Him. Gather to worship bless His holy name, right? Secondly, we're called to do His command. Look at verse 18 of Psalm 103. These things come to those who keep His commandments and remember to do His commandments. Or keep His covenant and remember to do His commandments. We are called to keep the commandments of God. Forgiveness does not wipe out the responsibility we have to holiness and perfection. Matthew 5, 48 says, Therefore be perfect as your Father in heaven is perfect. That calling does not go away because Christ came and died for us. We are always called to perfection. In fact, God is healing us and will one day crown us with, a, with perfection as we, walk into, as we go into heaven. You see, we, send, we tend to forget. We talk so much about the grace and kindness of God that we forget our duties and our, and our responsibilities before Him. First John says that we are, the children of God are obligated to walk as He walked. We ought to do as He does, to talk as He talked, to think as He thinks. This is the obligation that the children of God have. It's in response to the salvation. Don't, don't hear me wrong. It does not earn our salvation. But in response to the beauty and glory of Christ, we are to do His commands. This is what David is calling us to. Fear the Lord. Be obedient. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and worship Him. So I will finish, not with my words, but with the words of David. Because ultimately, when you say, what does this psalm call me to do? He's reflected on all the goodness of God, all the benefits that I've received from Him. What does David desire for himself? And what does David desire for us? Well, hear now the words of David from Psalm 103, verses 20 through 22. Ultimately, this is what he longs to call us to. Bless the Lord. O you His angels, you mighty ones who do His word, obeying the voice of His word. Bless the Lord, all His hosts, His ministers who do His will. Bless the Lord, all His works. In all places of His dominion. Bless the Lord, O my soul. Let us pray. Father, it is our desire to truly bless You, to praise You, to worship You in spirit and truth. We hope, God, that this morning our time here has truly done that. And we pray, Father, that You would give us a passion and a diligence to gather here regularly before your throne as a people to magnify your name. God, we pray that as we have studied who you are, we have looked at what David says about you, that God, you would cause us to meditate on this throughout the week and come back next week with the same passion and attitude that David had towards you. 
when he proclaims and really exclaims, bless the name of the Lord. Lord, would you move that inside of us? Give us that desire and that passion, we pray. In Christ's name, amen.